0: The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's excited as a three legged puppy running in circles. Welcome, Jacob. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my thank you uh let me just introduce our co-host a man who oh just is trying to get with the girl and he realized he's a slug welcome Drew. a slug yeah a slug
1: he was a stomper not a
2: slug no the slug was trying to get with the girl <laughs> I'm the slug? That's the that only can think of, man.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be taking this personally or not. Don't take it personally, then. Anyway,
2: <laughs> how are you doing, Jacob? I am doing much better, thank you very much.
1: Oh, I hope so, because you were running a little
2: late this I, evening. I was running a little late. Uh, It's been pretty good. Yesterday was kind of stressful. I think it was a lot of... Me putting a lot of things in myself, but could be some other little factors. But uh, that's been pretty good.
1: Good, good, pretty good.
2: Mother's Day uh, was last weekend, so all happy late Mother's Day to all. All those wonderful mothers and grandmothers and single mothers and adopted mothers. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. I spent the weekend with my parents and hung out until, like, Sunday afternoon, then drove back and then relaxed and chilled out. Well, there you go. How about you?
1: Uh, I did okay. We visited my parents over the weekend uh, for Mother's Day, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, it's just been kind of a slow week. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Uh, Before we get into what we've been watching, we do have our trivia question for this week. Yes. Which was, in Epic, who are the Leaf Men modeled after? Do you know the answer, Jacob? I believe it's Samurai. You are indeed correct. It is Samurai. And I'm glad you knew the answer because you want to know who didn't? Who? The entire Cell Nation, because they didn't answer this question. Oh, well. <laughs> Come on, guys. At least give me a wrong answer. <laughs> Be funny. Anyway, doesn't matter. With that, well, it doesn't matter. We do want interaction. Don't get me wrong there, but yeah, it's 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 all good. So, um, and
2: there again, be like probably most people have never heard of this film.
1: I remember it being advertised a lot. Yeah, when it was coming out, but yeah, I'll admit it's probably been a while, and most people probably have never heard of most people probably don't remember this one. Probably, it's not like Rio that actually was nominated for an academy award that is true for, for uh, best music mm-hmm. and lost to the muppets mm-hmm. but that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes mm-hmm. so uh
2: or in this case the puppet sings indeed so uh jacob what have you been watching all right so i am continuing to watch star versus the forces of evil mm-hmm. that is a very interesting show to say the least <laughs> uh it's it's recommended yes it is a lot of fun uh it is kooky crazy uh entertainment fun and i'm curious where it's where it's leading I, I could see maybe some plot threads are kind of dropping here and there but yeah it's getting it's getting pretty good it's on disney plus for those who don't know um other than that we i reviewed we did the two episodes for TAS which we're going to review later this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh we I watched a certain little film that came out over the weekend, not a really big deal. Uh something called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The Multitude of Madness. Multitude of Madness. That's nearly what you said. I did.
1: Yes, we both saw multi <laughs> now I'm doing it. <laughs> Thank we you. both saw multiverse of madness. Yes. But not together. No. We saw it separately, but yes. that's okay. Yeah.
2: It was all good. And plus we we did a um,
1: We have done recorded a Patreon episode that will be going up sometime later this week. So patrons, keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's all like I'm a Oh, what, and if you want to join our Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash cellcast.
2: Yeah. And join the fun there. Indeed. So I think over the weekend, we, my parents primarily turned on, it was like, um, what are those fix, you know, fixed houses, fixed community things H. on this episode of house hunters, something like that. He is a butterfly collector and she
1: sells moist toilets. Their budget is $50 million. <laughs> Will they be able to find a home in New York city?
2: <laughs> Highly doubt it. <laughs> yeah you have this budget we've got this budget you'll never be able to pay this house I was off
1: pointing out the fact that a butter that, that most of the people who have jobs in there have way bigger eyes than they have budgets
2: that is true oh my gosh and a lot of veterinary shows which i've never been a fan of it's like you feel ow Somebody pays for the dog they got ran over by the car and it's like ow <laughs>
1: just had a song go through my head don't worry about me
2: okay gotcha 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 i'm
1: looking over my dead dog rover who i hit with the power more oh one leg is missing the other is gone the third leg is scattered all over the lawn there's no need explaining the one leg remaining is spinning on the carport floor oh i'm looking over my dead dog rover who i have hit with the power more
2: a hey, copyright strike
1: <laughs> it's dr demento he don't care
2: <laughs> i haven't seen Not that much forever. no oh my gosh i would seen that in forever uh, but overall I'll be like yeah, that's basically what i watch over the weekend if i forgot something uh i'll probably remember during the middle of the broadcast so i might be mm-hmm. like oh this is what i watched oh yeah but uh what have you been watching
1: whale well, Uh, I have taken a short break from Power Rangers just because I didn't get around to it this week, Uh. but uh, of course, finished Moon Knight Mm. since that last last episode aired last Wednesday. I watched the first episode of a new series Mm. on Paramount Plus called uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yeah. How was that? If they can keep this up with what they... Excuse me, with what they did with the first episode. Mm-hmm. I might be able to think they know what they're doing. Okay. Because I have not been completely happy with their offerings to date, the new the new Star Trek shows. But yeah. it is what it is. Agreed. So I enjoyed that. And of course I saw Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we did not get a chance to visit with our good buddy, or at least I didn't get a chance to visit with our good buddy Chase to watch anime Sunday night. That is true. But that doesn't mean that Sunday night when I got home, I didn't get my allotment of Spy Family.
2: Oh, gosh. (laughs) I watched episode four. Oh, it's been dubbed already? Yes. Okay.
1: That's a good episode. Mm. That is a very good episode. And I watched (laughs) another episode of, uh... Love after world domination. Mm. The Power Rangers, Romeo and Juliet, but hopefully without the tragic ending. Yes. We mm-hmm. will see. Mm-hmm. That's a fun little show. Both of those are on Crunchyroll, if you're looking for those. Ah. Um, other than that, uh, the only other thing I really got around to watching, besides, you know, art, the stuff we needed to watch for the show. Mm-hmm was a bunch of rift tracks shorts oh okay. namely one of my favorites shake hands with danger okay now for those of you who don't know what riff tracks is if you remember the show mystery science theater 3000 where you know they had the the guy and the two robots are trapped up on the space station and they were forced to watch bad movies mm-hmm. imagine that but without the space station the robots and they're still watching bad movies, but they also do bad shorts and they'll do some other stuff like, uh, like newer, like newer things, more things. They wouldn't definitely never get the license to, but they can yeah. put out, uh, audio versions to play along with it. Really? Yeah. Which is perfectly legal. Yeah. But they also still will take shorts and riff alongside them with that. You can then, that they then upload and put out to uh YouTube. Interesting. And the one I mentioned, is, uh, "Shake Hands with Danger," is an old Caterpillar safety video
2: hmm.
1: from the seventies. Now you know my cat. You know what I mean by Caterpillar? The tractor? Yes. Okay. That is the cheesiest safety video I think I have ever watched.
2: Okay, but it's still a funny one, and it's
1: got the greatest little country little song that go plays along with it. <laughs> And the reason I got to thinking about it is because they did just recently release a uh, riff tracks the game, yeah. which is kind of like Jackbox, but with making with riffing on you know movies and shorts and such. Mm-hmm. So it's that sort of thing. But and I have watched some people playing it; It looks like fun, but uh, hadn't done it yet, played it yet myself. So yeah, that's pretty much what I've been watching. Cool.
2: What do we got in the news? Uh. Not a whole lot. It was a lot of like, oh, they're doing these TV series. Oh, this, oh, this. But it really was nothing that really was movie related. Mm -hmm. Like, none of the information I could find, unless you know anything. I haven't heard anything. Okay. So, yeah, there is no news for the night. In that case, we will go
1: ahead and move on to our spoiler free section Mm -hmm. of our review for the movie Epic by Blue Sky Studios. Sorry, the late Blue Sky Studios.
2: Mm-hmm. We should say yes,
1: but anyway, like literally, they are now the late. Yeah, because while they were closing up shop back what a year or two ago, mm-hmm. the final Blue Sky produced. This is a th- thing. here's a bit of news. The final Blue Sky Blue Sky produced short was released like in the last couple of weeks. Really, in which Scrat, our lovable
2: half oh, squirrel
1: half rat creature yeah. from the ice age films. yeah finally got his acorn oh really yeah huh. so we'll have to do the ice age movie soon yeah but yeah that's pretty much uh the, well like i guess that is the only bit to news get back into the spoiler free section of our review yes this is not a film i like <laughs> okay then this is going to be a fun episode. Okay, so yeah, this is the first viewing I had for this movie. Okay. But I can tell you I originally saw trailers and commercials and sold Blu-rays of this movie back, what, eight, nine years ago? Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, back when I was working at uh, the store that shall not be named. Right. For your benefit. <laughs> his benefit. Right. Even though that's where he buys his movies. Uh, <laughs> that would be Walmart, by the way. Uh, back when I was working there, uh, I remember seeing it. And I remember thinking, not knowing anything about what the movie was. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at it and thought, I think they're wanting to call it epic. But for some reason, I'm looking at this and thinking epic. Like environmental picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at this, assuming that this was a new 3D CG version of Ferngully, in essence. I was expecting to be hit over the head with an environmental message because it's blue sky. This is what they were doing at the time. Uh-huh. They, preach, they, they have to preach a message like nearly every movie. Ironically, this is the one they don't preach a message in. Or at least not the message I was thinking they were going to preach. But, um, so yeah, I was going into this movie all that time thinking, okay, this is going to be some environmental message. Let's get this done. I don't know why Jacob put this on the list, but <laughs> it is what it is. We'll see how it goes. Right. It was not the movie. I thought it was right, but it is still a blue sky film, which their method of storytelling is still kind of just meh to me. Okay. It's made, this may just be a me thing. I okay. don't know. No problem. But, um, I've just never really gotten into their style of storytelling. The only movies that there's I actually can tell you I enjoyed was Ice Age. The first one. Yeah. Not the rest of them. But uh, although I did kind of sort of enjoy uh, the pigeon movie. Oh, Spies, we in Spies in the Skies. Spies in the Skies. That was kind of funny. But it still had the same problems here. It's, it's like you could tell they started one way and as they were continuing to improve they were getting better and then they were killed Mm -hmm. anyway uh it's not a bad movie by any means don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong it's just kind of a for me it was just kind of a meh okay but yeah that's pretty much my spoiler free thoughts on it. it's a meh movie okay what are your spoiler-free thoughts?
2: My spoiler-free thoughts, uh, I picked this movie because, there again, I saw the trailer when it came out. Never saw it in theaters. Uh, I don't think I just had, I didn't have any, I just probably had mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. And I saw it and it's like, oh, it's in, because uh, Walmart would do those uh, Black Friday deals, be like yeah. movies for cheap, cheap, cheap. And so I wanted picking it up. And I was like, you know what? This would be kind of a good idea to watch, you know, watching the Cellcast someday so I picked it up and finally it's like, you know what? This is finally coming around. So I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised with this film. I was, it, it kind of, I, I wasn't expecting the environmental ship, the environmental Fern Gully. It didn't remind me of Fern Gully. Yes. There
1: are similarities. Which there are is why similarities. I thought that. Yeah. But it's really not that.
2: Agreed. It's not, uh, it's, it's trying not to use the title of the film with everything you describe, your, what's going on in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very well, to me, it was a very well done film. Uh, there there are problems, or two of them, actually, that kind of ruin the film in a lot of ways. I suspect we were in agreement
1: on a point, uh, but, yeah, we'll but we'll get
2: there. we uh, get there. There's a lot of, I like. There's there's some really, really good story development. There's really good character development. Uh overall I really enjoy this film. All so right. I'm looking forward to our dislikes and see we how you know how waverly differently we are in this film. That's assuming that we are. Yeah, exactly. We could be like
1: more on more on the same level than we think we are. Yeah. It's just one of us apparently was okay with the movie. One of us just thought it was like this is okay, but it's not great. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, uh, Join us on the other side of the bumper And we'll get to spoiling this thing Don't forget That you can download Download? Don't forget that you can uh, Don't forget That you can listen to us Record the podcast live Every Tuesday over on our Facebook page The Cellcast Our uh, Twitch channel The Cellcast Gaming and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And on our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every for, for every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. Each week on Stunning and Brave, hosts Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of some boring budgeting job, confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. Do you like Star Wars? I don't just mean the original trilogy. Along with that, I mean the prequels, the sequels, the anthologies, the animated shows, and of course, <laughs> who doesn't like Baby Yoda? Well, if you've been in the fandom for any length of time, you know how toxic the fandom can get. And if you'd like to be able to discuss a galaxy far, far away in a much more positive light, might I suggest searching out The Outer Rim, a Facebook group dedicated to all of Star Wars, and check out their YouTube channel, which you can easily find at Pop Americana which the podcast you're currently listening to is also a part of. To find that and more, check out the link in the description. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Epic. Listener discretion is advised. Epic was written and directed by Chris Wedge, who also uh, wrote Ice Age mm-hmm. and, and directed Ice Age. And he's also the voice of Scrat. Really? Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. It was also written by James V. Hart, William Joyce, Daniel Shear, Tom J. Astle, and Matt Ember. And was inspired by the book The Leafmen and the Brave Good Bugs by William Joyce. Getting into the cast, we've got Amanda Seyfried as MK Bamba and in the, in Les Misérables, she played Cosette. Cosette. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen that film. I've seen the musical. Ah, but not the film. Ah. Joss Hutcherson was the voice of Nod and he played uh Peter Mellark in The Hunger Games. Oh, okay. Colin Farrell was the voice of Mm Ronan, and he was the penguin in The Batman. Mm -hmm. Christoph Waltz was Mandrake, and he was Blofeld in No Time to Die. Mm -hmm. Aziz Ansari was Mub, and he played Tom Haverford in Parks and Rec. Chris O'Dowd played Grub, and he played Dr. Cockroach in Monsters vs. Aliens, the TV show. Not I the for movie, I forgot there was a TV show. Always, the, the, DreamWorks stuff always has a TV show. It seems I, like. I, agreed. Pitbull was the voice of Bufo, which was the frog in the uh, yeah. He was the, bar a, he, was he was the bar. He was the bullfrog. Set up the guy. Uh, he was Ugly Dog in Ugly Dolls,
2: mm-hmm. which we just, just recently reviewed. Recently
1: reviewed. Uh, Jason Sudeikis was Professor Bamba. And he played Oscar in Colossal, mm. which is a interesting uh, kaiju movie. It's mm. also a love story, mm. interestingly enough. Steven Tyler was the voice of Nim Galoo, the uh, glow bug. Mm-hmm. He was, of course, the lead singer of Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> and Beyonce Knowles was the voice of Queen Tara. And along with uh, being a single lady that if you want it, you should have put a ring on it. Um, She was the voice of Nala in The Lion King 2019.
2: Yes. You want to hear our reaction to that? Go listen to it. Indeed. (laughs)
1: Getting into our Kingdom Hearts connections. John DiMaggio played Pinecone Jen in this movie. And he was Jacoby, a.k.a. a zombie pirate in Kingdom Hearts 2. Huh. Jeff Bennett was a fruit fly in this movie. A fruit fly. Yes. Yes. And he was the mayor of Halloween Town, Mr. Smee, Beryl, Merlin, Lumiere, Bashful, Large Beagle Boy, Small Beagle Boy, and Geppetto in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> wow. You got to love these that actually were a lot of different characters. Mm-hmm. Michelle Ruff was additional voices both here and in Kingdom Hearts 3. And Randy Crenshaw was additional voices in here and also in Kingdom Hearts 3. So that brings me to the
2: end of the Kingdom Hearts connections. Jacob, what do we got in info and stiff? All right. So IMDb has a 6.6 out of 10. Uh, It's available currently on HBO Max due to licensing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's produced by Blue Sky Studios. And 20th Century Fox, now 20th Century Studios Animation. uh, Distributed by 20th Century Fox Studios, now 20th Century Studios. Uh, Release date was, oddly enough, it was released internationally first. On May 16th, 2013, mm-hmm. uh, 2018, uh, sorry. I was about to say, yeah. May 18th, 2013 at the Zieg- Ziegfeld theater. And it was released nationwide here in the States on May 24th, 2013. Uh, going into the box office, an estimated budget of a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Its opening weekend was kind of dismal. Had a uh, $33.5 million on March 26th. And its its United uh, US and Canada gross was $107.5 million. Its worldwide gross was $268.4 million. Now, we don't know if this movie made even or like it made some money I'm pretty sure it made some money on its release on its home mm-hmm. release uh, so speaking of home release epic epic was released on the on DVD blu-ray and blu-ray 3d that was the thing back then yes it was on April 3rd thir- April 20th 2030 thirty. Err, and on July 20 July 29th 2021 epic was made available on disney plus subscribe for disney plus subscribers following the walt disney company's acquisition of 20th century fox mm-hmm. and blue sky studios in 2019 but it was later removed from the service on may 1st 2021 due to a pre-existing contracts since then it is available on hbo max so that is all i have for an stuff
1: uh in your res- in, when you said that uh you know we didn't know if it had made any made its money back or not yeah the thought that crossed through my mind was curse you Perry the platypus <laughs> oh my gosh let me make that a thing okay we'll see yeah do it <laughs> do it <laughs> uh, anyway getting into the summary for this after her mother dies 17 year old Mary Catherine or mk Moves in with her eccentric scientist father, Professor Bomba, who has spent his life searching for tiny humanoid soldiers called Leafmen in Sherman, Connecticut. They protect the forest near where Bomba lives with wicked creatures called Boggins and their malevolent leader, Mandrake. Bomba's de- determination to find proof of his theories irritates his daughter as she believes it's nonsense, like her mother did, but Bomba assures her he'll find proof. Meanwhile, an independent young Leafman named Nod decides to quit. Much to the ire of his no-nonsense leader, of the no-nonsense leader Ronan, who promised Nod's late father he'd look out for his son. The benevolent fairy queen of the forest, Queen Tara, must choose an heir to her throne and goes out to a field of leaf pods on board her flying barge and escorted by the royal guards. Arriving at the field guarded by the laid-back slug named Mub and a wannabe leafman snail named Grub. Immediately after she chooses a pod, the Boggins attack. Tara flees the area with the pod, and though flying leafman bodyguards do their best to protect her, they are soon overwhelmed by the sheer number of Boggins. Unable to reach the barge and the safety of the guards while being chased, Ronan arrives for her and the pair fly off on his hummingbird mount. They are then attacked by Mandrake and his son Dagda. Dagda is killed by Ronan, but not until after he shoots Tara. Meanwhile, MK decides to leave after having an argument with Bamba about his research. Before she can leave, Bamba's dog Ozzy runs into the woods. While looking for Ozzy, MK sees Tara falling. Dying, Tara gives her the pod and uses her magic to shrink her. She tells MK to take the pod to Nimgalu, a glowworm wizard, before she dies. And MK joins Ronan and the Leafmen along with Mub and Grub. Ronan discovers that Nod has entered a race against other creatures and bugs on birds. Nod goes back on a deal with a short tempered toad gangster named Bufo to throw the race. Before Bufo and his two henchmen can feed Nod to a snake, Ronan intervenes and orders them to leave. A reluctant Nod joins him, MK, Mub, and Grub, after hearing about Queen Tarn's death, which Bufo overhears. Ronan, Nod, MK, Mub, and Grub eventually track down Nimgalu. He then leads them down to the library where MK discovers Tara's brief message before shrinking her, and a message that will get her back to normal size. When Ronan leaves, Nod takes MK on a deer ride, and they begin to fall for each other. Meanwhile, Mandrake, grieving over his son's death, has the Boggins bring Bufo to him, finding out the location of the pod. Mandrake goes to Nemgaloo's place to steal the pod, which, if it blooms in darkness, will birth a Dark Prince who will uh, help Mandrake destroy the forest. He takes the pod and kidnaps Mub and Grub. Ronan scolds Nod for not being there to protect the pod. To get into Boggan territory undiscovered, MK, Nod, and Ronan set out to Bamba's house to get some disguises, where MK learns that the Leafmen have deliberately been leading Bamba off their trail. Bamba sees that he has visitors and captures MK fainting when he sees her. MK marks the location of Moonhaven on a map Bamba has made of the forest before rejoining Nod and Ronan. When they reach the Boggin land, Ronan distracts the Boggins while M.K. and Nod rescue Mub, Grub, and the pod. Mandrake discovers them and orders the Boggins to stop them. M.K., Nod, Mub, and Grub escape alive, but Ronan sacrifices himself to ensure their escape. Before the full moon can sprout the pod at Moonhaven, Mandrake's bats block the light, causing the pod to begin sprouting in darkness. The Leafmen set out to fight the Boggins. M.K. tries to help to get help from her father by visiting his various cameras he has set in the forest. However, upon regaining consciousness, Bamba believes that he really, did, really didn't see MK, and he has been insane all these years and shuts down all his cameras. He changes his mind when he sees the red push pin that MK had put on his map. Bamba is overjoyed to see that he has been right, and he follows MK to Moonhaven. M- MK uses Bamba's iPod, may it rest in peace, to make bat sounds. I say that because the iPod just got discontinued finally this week. I heard about that. Anyway. Uh yeah, those lure the I the, the the iPod was used to make bat sounds, luring Mandrake's bats away. Meanwhile, Mub and Nym Glue try to stop Mandrake from reaching the pod, but are unsuccessful. Just then Ronan appears, bearing scars and bruises from the Boggins. Mandrake manages to outdo him but is defeat defended by Nod who finally realizes the importance of teamwork before Mandrake can obtain his victory? The pod blooms in moonlight as Mandrake falls into the burrow of a nearby tree. The chosen heir is the flower child who helped save Tara earlier in the film. Grub becomes a leafman, not in Ronan reconcile and not an MK kiss before MK is returned to her original size. After reuniting with Bomba and becoming his assistant, the human family s- still keep regular contact with their small friends as they continue the research of their world. Mm. Getting into the trivia for this. This is, of course, loosely based on William Joyce's children's book, The Leafmen and the Brave Good Bugs. Like Rise of the Guardians 2012, it was based on a story told to the author's daughter. The film's protagonist, MK, is named for Joyce's daughter who died of a brain tumor on May 11, 2010, when she was 18 years old. Mm. So she didn't get to see the film. Yeah. The first, this is the first Blue Sky Studios produced film to feature a female protagonist, as well as the first theatrical animated film produced and distributed by Twentieth Century Fox to feature one since Anastasia, nineteen ninety-seven. Mm. And as I stated before, the Leaf men were modeled after Samurai. Queen Tar's dress is very similar to Tiana's from Disney's The Princess and the Frog in mm-hmm. two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Beyonce, who voices Tar was considered for the role of Tiana but didn't get the part. Mm. This is also the last Blue Skies Studios film to feature 20th Century Fox logo with a News Corporation company uh, below it. Oh, okay. So this would be around the time, I guess, News Corporation was thinking, let's just sell Fox Mm -hmm. uh, 20th Century Studios so we can focus on conservative news media. Yeah. But anyway, that brings me to the end of our trivia. Why don't you go ahead and give me your
2: first like for this film? my first like in this film is going to be the the environment itself definitely when you're in the forest you get this grand perspective of the the animation of the environments itself how how be like lighting and shadow and effects be like i really really enjoy that really like it's it's so many scenes of this film that is absolutely breathtaking. They they take you down to the forest floor from a camera perspective, from audience perspective, and it's just a it's a great perspective in which they they give the audience to put you in the 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 shoes or in the the perspective of a leafman or um, MK it's MK right? Yeah, MK. Yeah, MKs or MKs now perspective and it's just it's it's breathtaking in so many in so many shots and uh i just i that's the first thing that popped in my head was like man like the uh the environmental effects in this movie is amazing mm-hmm. yeah so mine's the environmental effects
1: what's yours uh my first like is that it doesn't hit you over the head with an environmental message there we go because i mentioned that's what i assumed this was going into it mm-hmm. but it really doesn't do that i mean it's not even really has an environmental message because i mean the if this was ferngully like i assumed it would have been yeah that sort of film mm-hmm. the uh i keep wanting to say the bombas that is not <laughs> who i'm referring to i'm talking about the uh the bad guys the uh Boggins. Boggins. The Boggins would have been the result of human pollution. Yeah. And and they're not. They are just the regular decomposition of the forest. Yeah. Oh, that's okay.
2: It's life and and death It's a cycle.
1: They're the bad guys, but they're just the standard decomposition of the forest. It's part of the, if you'll pardon the allusion to the Lion King, the cycle of life. I mean, that's how the forest works. Yeah, agreed. But they act like it's they're like the, the most horrible creatures, and if uh, this if if this decomposition continues, it will mean the death of the forest. Yeah, only if it's done like on un- if it's not being if you're not growing things afterwards. Mm-hmm. So you people should actually like them for the most part. The good guys should be liking the Boggins for the most part, right? Because they're all giving you places to regrow
2: yeah because if the the boggins
1: i don't know why they're just being jerkwads other than everything must decompose i don't i don't understand that whole process it's like no y'all are ones that create one creates one destroys you're working tandem here y'all shouldn't be mad at each other but you know whatever yeah um but yeah it's there is no environmental message to worry about. There's not, not, there's no message about, you know, be kind to nature. Mm -hmm. we, We don't even get the, and only you can prevent wildfires type of message here. It's just a story that happens to take place out in the forest behind this house. Agreed. If anything, it's ripping off, honey, I shrunk the kids, except the shrinking was done by magic instead of by mad science by merc Moranis but anyway yeah that's it's it doesn't hit you over the head with that message and that i was pleasantly surprised by
2: good deal what's
1: your second
2: like my second like would be the high fantasy storytelling uh you get this hate to use the word but epic scale Mm -hmm. of uh this invisible world between the leafmen and the boggins and the boggets, boggans the Boggins. Boggins. Thank you. Boggins. Stink, stinking. Boggins. What, what? deboggins? Stinking Boggins. Uh, uh, just like where they take direction, where they where they use this, uh, a gear, uh, there again, more of a high fantasy story where it's using like the leaf banner or more design after the samurai and the, the proper techniques of how they use their swords, and just like the i just i love that kind of thing. I love it when you do fantasy, you do fantasy mm-hmm. work, and it's again this movie was came came out in two thousand thirteen, and there was started this shift of going away from uh more original storytelling and going towards oh, let's use big i p s let's re rehash reboot whatever um Re- reduce reuse recycle yeah pretty much there's your environmental message kids <laughs> but just the the that blue sky studios 20th century vox took a chance and did something different did something that uh that was out that took every, that was non-traditional mm. that was a non-traditional story that a story that possibly had been told before but from a different perspective and done in my perspective in my in my opinion very well done and the the amount of lore you get in the characters the the, the ceremonies the the sort the character growth the character development of just using this high fantasy backdrop of this in this ongoing war between the the leafman and the boggins and i just found that incredibly fascinating i was like heck yeah i really enjoy this so yeah it's 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 high fantasy uh storytelling yeah okay. so what is your second
1: i actually like the animation a lot in this Agreed. film.
2: um
1: there there's a lot of good lighting that's done in here mm-hmm. and uh A lot of the effects on the animals Mm -hmm. I thought were done very well, especially the time dilation that we see between, you know, the, the, the the small world and the big world. Uh I thought that was done fairly well. I think the thing that impressed me the most was the uh, effects when the Boggins fired their arrows at at the, at the different plants and it caused the, uh, what do you call those kind of the, I always think of them as tree warts, but I don't think that's the official yeah, like term. Pu-
2: pustules, or yeah, yeah,
1: you know, you get, get a weird knot mm-hmm. on on the on a tree sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I get, I, I, I don't know exactly what that is because I'm not a botanist. Mm. But uh, I thought that that's what that kind of reminded me <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was the way that they showed that happening. I thought looked good. I appreciated the fact that uh, anytime you were in the human sized world yeah, and there are the small stuff happening behind them. You can actually make out the characters the whole time. There's never yeah. a part where it feels like, Oh, this is all happening back there, but we're not going to pay attention to it. Uh, I, I appreciate the way they handled all that. It really did remind me a lot of, like I said, honey, I shrunk the kids mm-hmm. and really Ant uh, man. Yeah. Uh, how they handle those size differences when the time comes. I thought they handled that very well, uh, but yeah, the animation and I thought in this one was good. Uh, a lot of the tree, uh, the, the animation of the trees as the light uh, filters through them and the wind blows through them, I thought mm-hmm. was good. The best one though is the message when they're down in the uh, in the rings. Yeah, and she sees the message that somehow tara left for her mm. i say somehow because i call shenanigans mm. on that whole thing but whatever the way it, they animated that with
2: yeah the I agree. magic
1: dust whatever yeah. you could still tell that they were using particle effects to do mm-hmm. that yeah but the entire time it's like you can make out the whole thing so i don't know exactly how they did that but yeah. I don't know how they did it. I don't actually know 3D animation. I just know particle effects are usually hard to do, but the fact that they did particle effects mm-hmm. and still showing the events that occurred so that she could get the message I thought was handled very well. So yeah, that's my second like is the animation.
2: Okay. So you said something that kind of made me laugh. I don't want to make a joke out of it. So you know, this is kind of uh, riffing on something that having. More political, but let's just make it more funny. Uh, I'm wondering where you're going with this. Well, I, I can't. I can't tell you what a tree is. I'm not a botanist. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but either or.
1: <laughs> Moving right along. along. What's your third like?
2: <laughs> What's my third like? Uh, I like. I like the uh, the relationship between the father and daughter because. Mm-hmm. for some reason i'm always attracted to very good very grounded stories about family and this is a obviously it's a strained relationship between a father and father and daughter yeah who a father who's become so obsessed with his uh uh wanting to what is the word i'm looking for obsession 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 in just trying to discover the leafman yeah, cuz he knows they exist and the the little the point where uh Ronan says be like, "Oh yeah, well, we've been throwing this, you know, this, you know, this stomper off for years." Like he's been this close but we've just been throwing off our trail. But it's it's so interesting where um what is the father's name? Professor Bamba. Professor Bamba. Be like, I said his actual name but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, Professor Bamba. Uh and so he is just I I his his level of his obsession with these this is just it's so and the the way they pre- animate professor bomba it's the more cartoony than like any other yeah. character and i really enjoy that's where he's the more cartoony of everything else and everybody else is like fluid and just moves gracefully and he's the most more cartoony of cartoony mm-hmm. but um uh, getting down to the relationship between uh professor bomba and uh mk I found that it was where when you do something when you do a a relationship you' definitely a broken relationship right where it's a father who had be like his i I'm not sure how it'd be like the the mother left left him with the kid be like they separated and he went off to go do his thing and so it's just i the the reconnection of these two with the Leafmen and the ongoing war with the boggins and having mk have to having been shrunk down to the size to this ongoing feud mm-hmm. and her going from someone who didn't believe like dad it's just full of it like no wonder mom left you Um uh, and her having to reconnect with her with her with her dad through the the passing of her own mother, and I just I found it where when she started believe she started to realize that her dad was right and was trying to encourage him in it, in that way to uh, push forward with it when he starts to when he starts to be disencouraged with it, and I just found I found it really fascinating that these fam- this family becomes reconnected. Through these this odd circumstance of magic and shenanigans, <laughs> I just I really enjoyed that aspect of this movie. Mm-hmm. It was really good. So, what is your third? Uh, my third is the setup for the main conflicts.
1: Yeah, throughout the movie, um, they could have very easily have done a couple throwaway lines. And within five minutes of the movie, she shrunk down and trying to keep, you know, the pod from getting, you know, stolen by the boss. Oh, yeah. but That would have been very easy for them to do. Very. But they spend a good, what, 20 to 30 minutes before she gets shrunk?
2: 25 minutes.
1: Setting up her conflict with her father. Mm -hmm. Setting up uh, the Boggins' conflict with the... uh, With a leafman, Mm -hmm. and even setting up a character so that you know his death Mm -hmm. would actually have an effect. It did, yes. On on why, so you would understand why the the mandrake is you know being as evil as he is Mm -hmm. because you know we get to know the son, his son, a little bit. Yeah, you know his son dies in the middle of that attack. Yeah, so I appreciated all the way the way they did that whole setup. They they could have done that, like I said, in five minutes if they were being fast and in a hurry, Mm -hmm. like so many films will do sometimes. Oh, yeah. But this one, they set up all the conflicts and gave you 20 minutes to really just kind of get into the feel of both of these worlds Mm -hmm. before they smacked them together and you had to figure out, you know, and they had to figure out, you know, how they were going to get through this. Yeah. In some ways, that may have been a little bit of a detriment to the the story Mm -hmm. overall, but I appreciated us getting set up so that we could actually get a good feeling for what these worlds were like before we had to dive in and, you know, make our way through the backyard. Yeah, agree. For agreed. lack of a better term.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your first dislike? My first dislike. Oh, those st- that's, oh, the, the comedy relief in this <laughs> movie. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm referring to, yeah.
1: you know. I'm agreeing with you on this. Okay. And so I'm going to jump in with you on this. Cause my okay. first dislike also is that
2: Mub and Grub should die. <laughs> Great. There, there was one point. There was one more during the movie. Cause there's a point where it's like, there's a possibility they could, I'm thinking like, just push them off the edge. Just do it. Come on, Please, get rid of these characters. We don't
1: like them. They're not funny. They're, they're not funny, funny at all. And that's the problem. It's like when a character is not funny, but they're still trying to tell jokes. Yeah. They're nothing but annoying. Yeah. And agreed. you kept thinking and it's one of those things where like you're getting into the story, and all of a sudden the story comes to a complete halt, so Mub can hit on MK.
2: Yeah. Ugh.
1: For a good two, three, four minutes. And it's like it just drags. <laughs> uh you had you were on a roll and you came to a complete stop for a dumb joke yeah that is obvious that anyone watching is like yeah no you don't have you're not even funny you fat slug of a slug
2: (laughs) it's one of those it's like this movie has such a like a serious tone it'd be like it is very lighthearted in Mm -hmm. some ways and i my only assumption is with the director and the writers was we need a a I a dyn a, dy- a dynamic duo of comedy relief to break up all this seriousness, to give it more, make it more lighthearted and funny. Let the kids
1: laugh at something.
2: Yeah. But be like, e- like every, every time they use that, that they deploy that they pull the drag shoot. And it literally drags the entire movie, the entire pace of what's going on to yeah. complete dead still. Be like Everything stops to make a really, really bad joke. And to
1: keep making really, really bad jokes. Yeah.
2: You know, like There's points where but like you can see where they could have simply just edited these out and make them like little bits here and there. It's like, oh, that was kind of funny. Back to our good story.
1: <laughs> and, it, and it really feels like what they, their whole plan was. It's like, okay, we're going to have these moments where we're going to have these big joke parts with Mub and Grub, but if we are going through the editing process and we find we don't think they're funny... We're just gonna we're gonna make sure that they're easily it's easily able to take those moments out, so that it doesn't affect the story. Yeah, and it really does feel like that because you could easily mm-hmm. edit around those two guys for the most part. The only times you really need them for the story, mm-hmm. set yeah. is uh, when they go and pick the pod. Yeah, and when Mandrake is keep uh, having them keep the pod moist while mm-hmm. he's making sure that the thing's going to. Uh, you know, while while they're in his area. That's yeah. really the only two places they are needed. And you could have still kept them in the movie mm-hmm. just by having them get caught by Mandrake early on with the pod and have our our group have to go find uh Mandrake's fortress to sneak him out of there and have that be the story, but then that changes up the rest of the story. That and is true. It's it's annoying that it feels like the story was written to keep them in it in some ways.
2: Yeah. But I, I can see where be like you 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 do need characters like that. You yeah. do need a comedy relief, but and they the, need to be good comedy. They need to be good comedy, not where they drag the story down mm-hmm. to a complete utter stop. Yeah, and that's one of the detriments of this film is that its comedy just kills it. Be like I'm. You're literally watching where the scene where uh, MK and what is our main protagonist character? Nod, nod, or or uh, Ronan, nod. be like oh the the encounter with love interest the love interest not that will never
1: happen yeah will never happen she's gonna be an adult yeah or she's gonna 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 go back to being a stomper we know this yes and he doesn't have a way to come to join her in that yeah
2: but anyway but it's just like that scene where just the the scene the the moment when you start becoming disengaged with the film is when nod and mk are being attacked by the mouse mm-hmm. and that entire scene gets done with Ronan being the, you know, the, the, uh, how, do, uh, the, the kick butt character he is. Yeah. Comes in and just whoops that butts, that mouse's butt. And then every, the, 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 the drag sheet gets pulled and everything goes to a dead stop to say stupid jokes. Mm hmm. It's like, Oh, get on my woman Da-da-da-da-da. for freaking three minutes. Yes. Like, can we just hop out of this hole? Be like, make a really, really silly joke. Don't Duh. be like, it just drags.
1: Thinking music even comes to a halt.
2: Oh yeah. It's
1: Everything. Like the drive of the film just disappears long enough for Mub and Grub to do their stupid comedy bit. And it will be there for two or three minutes. And it's like, someone says, okay, that's far enough. Let's get back to the movie.
2: Yeah. Or the scene seen wearing there in the elevator going down the uh the the, the layers of the tree mm-hmm. in order to get to the the scrolls it's just like oh my gosh well, be like be, be imagine be like being stuck in an elevator with annoying people like that yeah it's like, be like I'm gonna tie and, your and that's the thing
1: they are no, their their brand of funny for this is that they're annoying characters yes, but if you don't find annoying characters funny, they're just annoying characters yeah, which makes them worse
2: exactly. And, and that's what these characters are. Everyone finds
1: annoying characters funny.
2: Yeah, unless you have a weird sense of humor and like annoying characters. Well, some people do yeah. like that, admittedly. But yeah. I just look at it and go, "Just shut up."
1: Yeah, guys, just shut up. Y'all, y'all aren't doing anything to push the story forward. Agreed. Y'all are just making stupid jokes.
2: Agreed. And but it's just, it's it's a good u-
1: night when Pitbull and uh, is a better character than you. That's saying something. <gasps> Buffo, and I'm not saying anything about about Pitbull. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but Pitbull is obviously stunt casting in this film. Yeah, he's got maybe five lines. Yeah, it's all written. Three of them are written around you were supposed to throw that race, and Mm -hmm. and you didn't. And the other tour is like, "I'm sorry, my lord." The 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 uh, they they had the pod, and they're heading towards uh, Moonhaven or whatever, wherever they were going. Um. that's actually more interesting than anything that Mubba Grub said.
2: Yeah, throughout the entire film, like heck, it'd be like even Steven Tyler's Steven character. Steven Tyler's
1: character is funnier than they
2: are. He is. He's and a lot he's, more funny, not,
1: and he's not even acting. He's just being Steven
2: Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I think it's just more when they. I who's who's the uh, the the voice for Mubba Grub? Aziz Ansari and uh chris o'dowd chris o'dowd it's like yeah obviously these guys are you know comedians
1: well aziz is because he was on parks and rec yeah Uh, chris o'dowd when i was doing his stuff he's done nothing but like animated a bit parts and animated shows for like years oh okay so he should have been the straight man in this conversation yeah aziz was got to be the funny guy uh but he's not none of neither one of them are doing their jobs yeah I'm not even suspecting they were in the same room together when they were recording their lines. Possibly. And that doesn't mean, you know, uh, movies, all the actors have to be in the same room together. Cause yeah. that's all, especially with animated movies. Yeah. That's almost next to impossible. But when you've got a comedy duo here that have to act off of each other, yeah, they really should have been there at the same time. And I don't know if that was the case. If right. they weren't able to record together. Right. Through scheduling or something, but mm-hmm. They should have been together to, if, if they weren't, they really should have been together to record with each other so they could actually have worked off of each other. Agreed. And done multiple takes. Yeah. Because I, you listen to this comedy and it really feels like this was the first joke that came in their heads. Because it's obviously all uh, um, ad-libbed or slapstick.
2: Or improv. Improv. Thank you. It's
1: obviously all improv comedy, Mm -hmm. but the thing about improv comedy for a movie, you have multiple takes and you don't even have to worry about film with this, do multiple audio takes and come up with the best jokes that work through this. Mm -hmm. And if this, if that is what happened, Mm -hmm. if they actually did have multiple takes of these improv jokes and had, and these are the best ones maybe this comedy duo does not have shouldn't be working together (laughs) agreed because these guys the characters they're no abbott and costello
2: no it's like when when you have like sec you know secondary characters who are funnier than you are you're supposed to be the comedy relief to the movie you have a problem yes so yeah i think both our first dislikes are mub and grub who are the worst character you know comedy side characters Die. I agree, but there, there's some points where I think it's the the slug is like he wants to be a leafman, and some of those points it's kind of funny okay. in yeah, a way. The, the
1: idea that that the, that that wasn't the slug, it was the uh, snail. Snail it wanted what... to be the leafman. It's like you know what, that's funny. And the whole part there where he, uh the snail can't get to his bird before someone else takes it, mm-hmm. that's funny. That was funny, but that's like the only funny part involving him. Yeah, and you, what's and the bad thing about that is he ain't working off of his buddy. He's yeah, by himself, himself, and he just happens to be... It has you have good visual jokes of this snail's trying mm. to get finally gets a chance to be a leafman, and he, every time he does it, someone keeps stealing his bird.
2: Yeah. So, like, w- when I first watched the film, be like... Because when... On the Blu-ray version of this film, be like, when it comes up, be like, you have Mub and Grub, the voice actors, talking. Like, Oh,
1: thank goodness I don't have oh, the Blu-ray. Oh, it was
2: terrible, because they start going into, like if you don't hit start immediately, they start into these really weird comedy bits of like, Oh, here's the feature. And right. they, they make some really stupid joke about it. Like the entire time I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Click, click. Oh, oh that, no, that, this is what's happening.
1: That's what's, that's a common thing on, you know, DVDs and Blu-rays over yeah. the years that if you've got your comedy release, you know, they're making fun of what's going on on the menu. That's the same thing. And when, you know, you've got, Good comedians doing mm-hmm. this, it's
2: funny. Mm hmm. Mub and Grub are not funny, mm. they're just not funny. Like, even in the extras, I think one of the actors who plays Mub or Grub they're like, Oh, yeah, we could definitely do if you know if uh Blue Sky or 20th Century Fox, we could do a spinoff of these two. It's like, No, what are you thinking?
1: <laughs> Disney probably saw that and, and just laughed their butts off. It's like, Dude, that's the funniest thing you've said for these characters. <laughs> It ain't ever gonna happen.
2: (laughs) It better not. Oh my gosh, Disney! Please don't do that. Just say please don't do that. Whenever you get the rights back to this movie, don't do it. I'm just saying,
1: these characters—they ain't Olaf. No, they're not. Olaf is, to some degree, an annoying character, but he's a fun character. Character. He is actually funny. Josh Gad is actually a comedian, (laughs) and knows how to deliver those lines. Yes. The character is a, is annoying because he's meant to be an annoying character, much like Mub and Grub, mm-hmm. but he's actually funny about mm-hmm. his annoyance. Yeah, so you kind of grow by the time, uh, by the time the move the, he gets, you think his annoyance would be at its boiling point. Mm-hmm. You like the character enough to let it go.
2: Pardon yeah. my pun. <laughs> Very sure. Anyway, sorry. Um, go ahead. Second dislike. Second dislike is the little bit of story point that was completely left off. And I thought it was kind of a, a shame they didn't do anything with it. So when they get the scroll that tells the, the foretelling of the, uh, the, the, uh, the future heir, mm-hmm. and the, the bit of scroll that's been torn off. And then it's revealed later on that, uh, uh, Mandrake, the main villain. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, Oh, I have the other side of the scroll and he's become evil. It's I'm like,
1: like gee, I couldn't see that coming.
2: coming. Yeah. There's like, okay. That you see that coming. It's like, obviously he's got it, but they do nothing with it. I'm and thinking like, okay, is it going to be like a immersion of like the, the good and dark? It's going to be one of these characters.
1: Well, they say that what it's going to do is cause instead of it being the, uh, the, uh, you know, selecting the next air. Yeah. The good side. If it blooms in darkness, what the scroll says, if it blooms, if the pod blooms in darkness, It will be like a dark prince to help Mandrake take over the forest. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. And also here's... I have questions. Yeah, I do too. Like,
1: here's the thing. When the pod does its thing, it doesn't become the new queen. No. It chooses the new queen. queen. Yeah. Which was the little annoying... flower flower that keep kept showing up the little flower the flower flower girl which then makes me have to wonder if it bloomed in darkness would it have turned her evil
2: (laughs) (laughs) because they they set that up it's like oh okay here's the future queen because it's be like oh i want to be the queen i'm gonna be the queen someday it's like honey that's not the way this works i'm like apparently it does apparently that is
1: how it (laughs) works but oh, they to think oh, that's not how it works. It's all it's more mystical than that. Yeah, and you like to some degree. Okay, I get what you're saying. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's not like you in no amount of hard work you do will ever allow you to be the queen in this in this society because that's not how it works. Yeah, I get that. You get to be the queen kid because you're the one who just keeps
2: talking. Hmm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, just I I really wish they would have gone deeper in this whole thing because the uh the pod is but like it is starting to bloom in the darkness in some points. I'm like be are we gonna get this kind of like half and half where she can be like she has the powers of both, she has to balance these things. But yeah, nope. It's like we don't do, we get nothing of that. And yeah, it was just it's, like it's kind binary. of a disappointment. It's either it
1: it finishes blooming in darkness. Or it finishes blooming in the light, and however it finishes, that's how the magic's going to go. Well, then that raises an interesting question. Mm. Let's say, hypothetically, okay, it's blooming in moonlight one night. You know, once every what twenty years they said, and they're getting ready to this, and the it, through no no use of the. I keep wanting to say Goombas, that's not what they're called. The Boggins. Go- Boggins. <laughs> no fault of the Boggins at all. The Boggins are just busy licking their wounds because they realize they lost whatever the you know the fight. Let's say that happened. And it happened to be a cloudy night. Mm. That's not the Boggins' fault. It's nothing the Leafman can do about it. Yeah. This thing's gonna bloom in darkness because it's a rainy night. Is this how deserts are formed? What's, how does this work? <laughs> it's no one's fault. What if it's mostly in moonlight and at the very last second, a jumbo jet flies in front of the moon and a shadow is cast upon all of a sudden. Oh yeah, the bloom is evil. You need better explanations than this. Because this thing, for the for ninety percent of its blooming cycle, mm-hmm. was in darkness. Yeah, whoever was going to get this power should have to deal with the fact should have to be dealing with at least some evilness. Yeah, that it has to deal how with the
2: struggle with the darkness and how yes. to overwhelm, overcome it. I yes, agree. They, sh- they but should nope, be. But
1: nope, nope. It's like oh no, nope. it's it's uh, she's it, it bloomed in dark, it bloomed in the moonlight. It's all good.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, it has to okay. like yeah, it'll bloom. It'd be like if it doesn't it'd be like if it doesn't it'll bloom in but it'll bloom in the moonlight but if it's shadowed and it's in certain if it's in a dark area it'll bloom darkness yeah so it's just it's that little bit it's just so irritating
1: and if that is how it works you could have done a lot better than the moon is being blocked by thousands of bats, bats. <laughs>
2: uh no no that's not the
1: way it works i'm gonna have to put another movie on the list now that i also hate Mm. that also deals with fairies okay (laughs) and i and i think handles the villain uh good guy thing a lot better than this but not by much
2: Okay. Moving on. Alright, so what is your
1: second, second dislike? Yes. There are a lot of points in this movie where we seem to jump forward a good amount of time. Okay. And it feels like we miss, not really necessarily miss story, but, okay, for instance. Okay. Bufo is berating our... Uh, No, Ronan. Not Ronan. Knob. Yeah. For not throwing the race.
2: Yeah.
1: Ronan comes and saves his butt. When did Ronan get there? Mm. And it's not just Ronan. The whole Hee Haw gang is there. The last scene, literally, the scene before this, they were flying to this area. Yeah. To find him. There was no scene showing them landing. There was no scene showing them in flight. There was nothing other than, you know, he, uh, Knob's got Nob's about to get his butt kicked by a bunch of frog mafia. Mm -hmm.
2: And
1: all of a sudden Ronan's saving his butt. Mm -hmm. It's like, when did you get here? You should still be off at, you know, over there where you just got your butt kicked by the Boggins. How did you get here this fast?
2: Yeah,
1: I'd be like, there is okay. no. It feels like we hit a commercial break. Okay, if this was on TV. Okay, and that was your excuse for you know the time jump that yeah. had to have occurred between the last scene and this scene. This really feels like it should be you know his race should be happening at the same time as them leaving. That's how that's all it gives you, but for them, it can't be then, it has to be like at least 15 20 minutes later, yeah, to give them enough time to fly over to where this is. I don't buy it, okay, I just don't buy they got there that fast. And that's not the only time that these kind of quick time jumps happen with no clear reason. I mean, they go from like middle of the you know, them riding on the deer. To it being the middle of the freaking night. That is true. Also, this is a minor thing, which is why it's not one of my dislikes. How writing a deer require a more sensitive person than writing the bird? You birds weigh, are flightier.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. You weigh like
1: it makes two that, ounces. That, that makes no sense. Yeah. At the same time, I kind of just like that's not as important as. Why are you jumping around? Why, why is why are you? It feels like you are. There were scenes that were edited out, probably, and you did nothing to make the transition to the new scenes smoother. Now that these other scenes are missing, mm. because you wanted to get it done, in was this an hour and a half movie?
2: Something like that. Well, just a little under two, a little under two. But it feels like just a
1: just like well, a here's movie. here's an easy way to fix your flow problems get rid of Mub and Grub and actually add in the scenes that help the, trans- the your scenes move from one, flow better from one scene to the other.
2: Mm.
1: Please. <laughs> and how is nobody surprised that there's a stomper who's now two inches tall running around with everybody? Because mm. she doesn't look like the rest of the she did, she at did, all. She didn't
2: dress like anybody else.
1: No, they didn't even bother to hide her. No, and that's part of these other logical things. But anyway, yeah.
2: What is your third dislike? My third dislike, uh, kind of jumping into your your second dislike, definitely how they do uh MK and she just like everybody accepts her, but like oh she's just a leafman, but like but she dresses nothing like you. She knows nothing of her culture. She has she
1: does not have any of the facial features present in the leafmen themselves. Yeah,
2: nobody be like she she looks like a stomper. But it doesn't dawn on anybody until like, oh, she she, says it. Oh, I'm a stomper.
1: (laughs) She looks like a European in
2: Japan. Yeah, pretty much. You are going to stand out. Like, yeah, definitely in that that hoodie of yours. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your third? My third is
1: a question. Mm. How in the world did moving the red pushpin tell Professor Bomba everything he needed to know about where to find them?
2: <laughs> That's a good point.
1: Because she moves it, sure, but she doesn't know that he's going to just completely disbelieve his senses for the past couple minutes after he fainted. Yeah. That he's going to now turn off all the cameras because he's convinced he's insane. But all of a sudden, that red pushpin it's moved to the other side of the map. And I didn't notice it till I tore a hole in it. It was like, okay, where was that push pin before? Which side of the thing was? Why is... I'm sorry. That is not enough information. Because it's not. Agreed. <laughs> it's like, how did... She... she picked up the red one. Why was there a red one? Because she needed one to move. Yeah, from what would, I could tell, there was no reason he had a red
2: one there. It would make it makes logical sense that like she would pick up the red one because that's yeah, more obvious, and
1: it's the one that's separate from the rest of them. But why was there a red one there in the first place? Mm-hmm. It feels like it was picked there not because oh there happened to be a red one on there, so she used that one. It's like we placed the red one amongst all these so she would know to pick it up. And at the same, but at the same time, her moving it to the other side of the map. Away from the rest of them, that should be like, shouldn't be that should not tell him. Oh, someone's trying to help me go find where all these guys are and needs mm. help yeah. right this second. So I need to go running off into the forest to go help find the daughter who I'm con- who I was convinced I had to have been insane seeing in the blender earlier. <laughs> Thank goodness he didn't turn that on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Bl- blended MJ- MK. Anybody? It doesn't make sense.
1: He, how does he follow that? She never said anything about liking red. She, there's no reason she would have. Yeah, I get she would have thought, oh, I'm going to be nice for my father. All these other, you know, the Leafmen, they've been giving him a hard time. I'm going to tell him right where they needs to go because I really do love my father. I want to give him a hand. Yeah. That's why she did it. Yeah. From a story perspective. Yeah. But he looks at that and goes, I didn't put that there mk the mk i saw in the blender somehow must have put that there and that she's telling me that i need to go there to find her and help her i was like he didn't say that but that's the closest Mm -hmm. approximation i can come to it must have been going on his mind Mm -hmm. i'm still looking at that and going dude that that doesn't make any sense you'd have had better luck if you looked at your stupid cameras before you turned them off
2: I, okay, I do I do understand when someone, when you're in such a defeatist mindset. Yes, I they, get that. Yeah.
1: But no, he so, makes
2: a 180 degree turn
1: because that red pushpin's not where I put it. Yeah. More correctly. That red pushpin's not where I thought I put it.
2: <laughs> How does your brain work? <laughs> well, he is a little crazy. <laughs> I guess, and we can
1: kind of see by the end of this, she's a little crazy too. too. So maybe that somehow maybe told him no, that's not
2: how that works.
1: (laughs) It's stupid. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. It is plot convenience.
2: I agree, it is plot convenience. That is
1: the entire reason he knew that the red pushpin meant go here now before the end of the world occurs and the bats cause the forest to die because it caused the thing to pod to bloom in darkness. Touche. Touche. It is plot convenience. I'm sorry. It is it is plot convenience. You should never while things should be convenient for the plot, you should write enough stuff around there that it's not obvious and it's plot convenience. <laughs> Again, it's annoying touche. It is so because I watched I watched that scene and thought, and he does that, and I, I literally had to stop. I had to stop the film <laughs> and rewind. It's like I must have missed something where he made this logical jump, and I didn't miss. <laughs> anything. (laughs) There was nothing written. There was no note. There was nothing. (laughs) Dude, send somebody back there to say, hey, we didn't put this there. Your daughter put it there because she's one of us. Now come give us a hand.
2: (laughs) 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 And he doesn't do any good when he gets there. Except he turns the bats around. He's
1: a distraction. That's the whole thing he's used for. It's like. There was so much more you could have done. But no, you are a kaiju in this world. (laughs) You could have killed the guy by stepping on him. Oh my gosh! And still, I point to the fact that at the end of the day, this war didn't need to happen because they are both part of the ecology of this forest. There is, you need the the leafmen to grow the plants and the Boggins to decompose the plants. That is life. That is the circle of life for crying out loud here. You people should be working together for the continued health of everything.
2: <laughs> so, yes. <laughs>
1: oh, man. That is my third dislike.
2: Okay, gotcha. Oh, this is going to be fun. All right.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of logical inconsistencies in this film. I can see that. But I don't hate this film. I just don't like this film. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway. So-
2: yeah what's your score <laughs> you go first
1: i'm giving it a 6.5 wow okay the animation is good yeah the um there are a lot of there's, there's a lot of good parts of this film don't get me wrong. right <laughs> but when this f- film fumbles the ball it fumbles it hard (laughs) for every 10 to use football metaphors that i am not qualified to use (laughs) okay go for it for every 10 yards that this story moves the ball towards the good end goal of making a good film Mm -hmm. it backtracks about 50
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'd say more like 15 but still no 50 (laughs) It loses points. Six point five. Okay, uh, okay. All right, so I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay, I'm gonna give it an eight. Be I mean, like, it's like yes, there are some logical inconsistencies. Uh, I I do agree with a lot of your points. I do. Uh, I do. For me, I really the the animation movies were well done. there's a lot a really good story built up in there but i do agree with your points that there are some it does fumble a little bit and the but a little bit a little bit
1: bit. your definition of a little and my definition of a little must be wildly (laughs) different correction it must be a little
2: different a little different Well, if I recall, the last movie we did was uh, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yes, yes. And be like, I have a tendency of overthinking things, right? (laughs) Yes. Especially when it
1: comes to comedy. That is true. So are you uh, saying I have a tendency to overthink things when it comes to logic and making a movie make sense?
2: No. (laughs) I'm not not saying that. I just want to make a point there. Just just use that little point there. (laughs) I, I think it's just like... Like for me, it's just like comedy sometimes doesn't really work with the story. And then when the story doesn't really, when you see inconsistently little points here and there that don't make sense, it's just like, I, I, I see where you, I see where yeah. you go with it. I see where prob- you, my
1: problem is the story didn't make sense. Hmm. Okay. And there's nothing. To, and if the comedy, the comedy should be there to, to make me accept it easier, but it doesn't. It just makes me pay. Think more like, look at how stupidly this logic is set up.
2: Yeah. I get it, totally anyway. get it. Either way, uh, yeah, I'm giving it eight. Like the comedy in this movie doesn't work. Uh, there, there's a lot of the story I really enjoy. I can see, I can see Drew's points, a lot of them, and I'll definitely go back and rewatch this film to you know just kind of see his perspective more. Like maybe I missed a few things. Maybe I'm like, ooh, all of these really good things that I'm probably just like not hitting it.
1: And it could be that I am letting some weird little things stick in my mind that are not as big a points as I made them out to be. Right, I'll grant you that. Yeah. Still don't want. Still don't want to watch this movie again. Okay. <laughs> which brings us to the end of this episode. Yes, or not the end of the episode. I should. Yeah. Say, but to the end of this review, which means I need we need to announce the next movie, mm-hmm. and that is going to be i got to actually look up the stinking name of this thing because it's a long one.
2: Yes, it is. Something that's been coming down the pipeline for a while. yu is
1: Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions. (laughs) And we are going to have a guest on this episode being Dallas Mora of Geek Devotions. Yay! Who is watching it with us because he's the one who created the hashtag.
2: (laughs) Yes. It's his fault. You're welcome, Dallas.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, but that does mean I need to ask a trivia question mm-hmm. for next week. And uh, the, my trivia question is, who in this movie is not, in the English dub of the movie, is not voiced by their or, the original four kids actor? Ooh. The original TV show's actor. There's Ooh. one character, almost all the characters are voiced by their that that had parts in the show Mm -hmm. they are voiced by their same voice actor but one character is not Ooh, and i want to know who it is okay i will ask that question in the facebook group so our facebook page so look for it there awesome anyway we need to jump to our next film next bit of reviewing here which is well so let me play this
2: And the masters of the universe.
0: The cats on.
1: Brain,
2: brain,
1: brain, 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 It is time for us to review two episodes of Tangled. Yes. Well, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Yes. Or Tangled the Series. Because they had to change the name halfway mm-hmm. through the show. For no apparent reason. reason
2: Come on, Dizzy. Other than to
1: give us confusion. First episode we're reviewing tonight is Season 2, Episode 3. Episode 3. The Return of Quade, mm-hmm. which was directed by Tom Caulfield and written by Jeremy Ship. The guest star, guest cast for this is Britt Robertson as returning as Vex, Reg E. Cathy as Captain Quade, along with the voice of Keith David in uh, filling a couple of his lines. More on that in a minute, mm-hmm. and Gideon Emery as Weasel. The story for this one, while following the Baron's defeat. Rapunzel and the group are ready to depart Varderos, but Rapunzel is unhappy to leave the city in a disastrous state. Matters worsen when Anthony the Weasel, the Baron's right-hand man, decides to take over Varderos as the new leader. Rapunzel and the group intervene, but Anthony promises to return in a few days to permanently take over the city. Rapunzel and the group stay to fight, but find no one is willing to help. Vex advises the group to seek out Captain Quaid, the former sheriff of Varderos, who is now retired. Rapunzel and the group go to meet Quaid and convince him to come out of retirement to help save Varderos. Quaid is rusty after years of retirement, causing him to lose confidence in himself, but also believes Varderos is no longer worth saving. Rapunzel and the group retrain Quaid and secretly help him get his confidence back by faking a robbery. With renewed confidence, Quaid agrees to help and makes Vex his deputy, but changes his mind when he learns the robbery was faked. Resulting in Vex, Rapunzel, and the group facing Anthony alone. Anthony returns with a bounty hunter and while they originally have, they, ri- they originally have the upper hand against the group Quaid returns alongside Vex and they're victorious after inspiring the citizens to take back the city. Getting into the trivia for this, this episode title is similar to a season one episode, the return of Strongbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this one, Quaid was the first person to ever arrest Eugene Fitzherber and Lance Strongbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of Quaid's dialogue in The Return of Quaid was done by Keith David, who mm-hmm. you may know as the voice of uh, Goliath in Gargoyles. Yes. He had to be brought in for a couple of lines because, unfortunately, not long after recording the lines for both this episode and the next one, mm-hmm. Reg E. Cathy unfortunately passed away. Yes. And they left most of his lines intact, but some of the lines had to be rewritten afterwards. And Keith David came in to uh, to record those lines. And you can kind of tell you if you know to listen for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vex was born sometime following Quaid's retirement. By the time of his return, she is a teenager, meaning Quaid had been out of commission for over a decade at least. And uh, Quade's office places a picture of the beer ber- beer-bearded woman, who appeared in the episode challenge of the brave. That's right. So what are your thoughts on this episode?
2: I thought it was, it was interesting that we're still in Varderos. Uh, because in season one, we really didn't do that. We just kind of kept going and going and going, go eats had this adventure or well, correction. See, correction. Season, season one, we stayed um, in, in Corona. In, right, we stayed in Corona. The entire I mean, season. Still, yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. And now that we're out, it's more okay. We're singing in Var- Vargas, Varderos, Varderos, Varderos. Well,
1: they're acting like they're going to leave at the beginning, but then yeah. it's like, nope, we're going to hang out here for another episode.
2: And then they're in this, they're in this one town for four episodes, four well, episodes,
1: four four episodes as syndicated. Yes, because I think I forgot to mention this last time, but mm-hmm. uh, beyond the Corona walls, while it was two episodes mm-hmm. by our timeline, it was actually aired as one episode. Yeah. So three to four episodes. It's still a long time to stay in a town when you're on an yeah, adventure.
2: I agree. Uh, nothing I nothing on the entire season at Corona
1: Castle, but
2: yes, there, there to someone who's watched all of season two and three now, uh, there is a theme throughout season two of staying in places for extended periods. Okay. So yeah, so just get prepared. Be prepared for that. Um,
1: I I will admit. Because I, I, I think I talked about this on the episodes we never got around to releasing. Yes. Um I was fully expecting, you know, was, when when you saw me the showed me the clip that got us into doing this. Oh, yeah. I was fully expecting every episode to be a journey. So our whole season in Corona I kept thinking, okay, this is what we're doing. We're setting up relationships with all these characters we're having a nice little thing where we have multiple characters that can come back and forth and all that kind of Mm -hmm. good stuff. And that was a good way to introduce a lot of these characters to us. So the minute we got to the end of, of, uh, season one Mm -hmm. and they were talking about leaving Corona to go on an adventure. I thought, okay, so every episode we're going to be in a new place. This is going to be like, uh, you know, I didn't think of it at the time, but since then I've seen the old, uh, TV show, uh, wagon train. Mm hmm. And, on uh and rawhide they're mm-hmm. kind of similar in that yeah. every te- every episode they're somewhere else mm-hmm. i was expecting that here i thought we'd be in varderos for you know uh beyond the corona walls okay for for that and then i thought this episode we would then maybe leave town and go somewhere else and the story would come and and an adventure and and, a, and the, the, this episode story might come up then but no we're still here yeah now admittedly we do Leave town for a bit to go to where Quade's home is. Yeah, uh, out on the outskirts of Varderos, but we're still in Varderos. Yeah, so it just felt kind of it just that feels like an odd choice. And having seen uh, more of season two, mm-hmm. uh, I know we do have a tendency to have these episodes centered in this area, and then episodes centered in this area. And then episodes centered in this era and we don't get a lot of the journey in between. Agreed. Except we also come times do. Yeah. But anyway.
2: Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Do you girl, I love this episode. It's where we, we're introduced to Quaid. We're introduced to there. Again, you have so much lore in this series where Quaid is this, he's a legendary outlaw. Like you said in the intro, where quaid was the first one to arrest um
1: uh our lance and eugene
2: lance and eugene thank you i'm terrible with names um and so we get that we get like all the like uh when the barons defeated then uh big nose decides he's going to be uh the, the shorty? shorty not shorty the 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 guy who's going to try to take over the town
1: oh weasel
2: yeah weasel big nose he's got a big nose big
1: nose is a different character
2: yeah oh i agree i agree uh big nose
1: is back in corona falling in love with somebody
2: that is true that is so true so weasel is going to come come back and uh it's trying to get quade's his uh his courage back up to be be like be the man he once was and all these great little hygiene pursuit of sue and i there again if you have not watched tangled the series or runs single adventure go watch it i don't know if you're if you're still listening to this and you're like what the world's going on just cue up your your disney plus account which most people do have disney unless you're just one of those people who don't uh go watch it go watch from season one and then catch up with us you will not be disappointed i guarantee it because this is one of those series that was disney did this wrong in so many ways that it needed it needs justification that's one of the reasons i wanted to do this is to give the show a little more uh, a little more light that people can go see it and uh yeah this show is worth it it's one of these great shows but either or um there again the storytelling in this show it like sometimes it's silly because like yeah lance be like he's overacting being the villain and uh these oh that was funny to myself oh yeah i thought it was funny as can be do not get yeah. me wrong it you were uh, like... looking
1: at the star of vardero's community theaters either. among the bushes i was the, the bush, bush. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to that part where he's going through like acting and, and eugene says yeah he wasn't any good as the bush either
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like the overall storytelling of this show of this episode is really well done and Quay just comes in in spades be like, he be like, he realized be like, yeah, I'd be like, I left because of this villain who, who defeated me and I became, uh, disheartened by it. And, uh, so he, he comes in, in the punch and just, you know, saves the day and, you know, proves, proves to the Varderos, the, the, the towns, but the towns people that be like, Hey, I'm still here and I can, I can, I can do my job very well. I will bring law and order back to this town and uh <clears throat> that kind of leads a little into our next episode but overall i thoroughly enjoyed this episode uh my thoughts on the next episode later
1: okay uh my thoughts on this uh the storytelling i thought was done very well they tell you exactly this is the episode that where we actually find out why how the Baron took over the town and mm-hmm. caused everything to become so essentially horrible. Mm-hmm. Cause at the beginning of the last one, they talked about, you know, how Varderos was this kind of cool place. Oh yeah. It was so great. And we get there. And of course, the joke is now it's run down and trashy and full of uh, angry people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this one actually, this episode tells you why all that happened. Mm-hmm. And apparently it all comes down to, well, it kind comes down to apathy yeah. and Quaid was unable to rally people to his side at that point. True but apparently now that they've lived for so long under the baron, they like the idea of hope. Yeah. Even if they're, you know, so yeah, it took a little bit for Quaid to get going and possibly a little bit of uh subterfuge sure. on our on our heroes' part, but uh, him getting back in. And, and I can feel, I understand him getting disappointed that, you know, the first, one that he's his first day back on the job, was all fake. Yeah, I understand that, but at the same time, he was actually rallying the town around him he after was. that point. Mm-hmm. So he should. Admittedly, people are weird in how they approach things. Agreed. But he was. I think he was ready to come back. Now, my favorite joke throughout the whole thing is the bee pheromones. <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: Yes that was hilarious First off, oh poor maximus poor maximus <laughs> Poor Maximus!
1: i like how they're showing off you know you got this kind of honey that came from this this kind of honey that came from that it goes oh what, what oh what, what's this thing oh that's bee pheromones what are bee pheromones oh they, <laughs> they make uh people they make the bees think that uh, they have a new queen I mean, and apparently it's maximus <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny for a quick bit but then you know it goes on for the rest of the story you get back to the uh you know, after he's starting to rally the town together mm-hmm. and uh they're you know drinking honey and or they're eating honey or drinking something there I assume mead mm-hmm. in actuality. Yeah. Even though it can't be officially be mead because that's alcoholic and this is a kid's show. Yeah. But you know, they're talking and having and someone says, uh actually I think and, and it's uh, Lance that's taking a drink and says and Quaid says, I think that's actually bee pheromones. And he spits <laughs> it out all over Maxus. He says, what was that doing inside of a mug Ugh. with a handle? Oh. <laughs> what was it doing just sitting out in a mug with a handle? And of course, it's all over Maxus. And the bees are in love huh? with the horse. <sighs> Poor Max.
2: You just can't get to break it this entire episode.
1: Right. And And I like how we see Vex go from being, you know, this kind of Apathetic character we saw in the mm. in uh, Return- Beyond the Corona Walls Part yeah. One and Two, mm. and at the beginning of this episode, and have her start to become inspired by Quaid herself to yeah. the point where she becomes the deputy. Yeah, and she's the one who has to stand up to the Collector without him because, yeah. uh, you know he's off being pouty, mm-hmm. and she has to go. I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> And of course, it's Eugene who says, That's what happens when you become one of the good guys. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, Yeah, Eugene, I bet you would know. (laughs) You and your. Flynn. Yeah, Flynn. But, I mean, uh, the whole. I I, I like how this character can. The character of Vex will continue being kind of a a positive character in the next episode. Yeah, agreed. So. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to the next episode, which we should go ahead and get into. Yes. Right now. The next episode is Goodbye and Goodwill, directed by Doctor... S- doctor? Doctor? Direct... I saw Steven. Is there a doctor in the house? I saw Steven. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Not that Dr. kind of doctor. Doctor Steven Strange. No, it's not. It's Steven Sandoval, and is written by Ricky Roxburgh. And, of course, guest stars Britt Robertson as Vex... And Reggie, Kathy, and Keith David as Captain Quaid. Mm. Uh, Rapunzel plans to bring the Goodwill Festival to Vardares before she finally gets herself out of town. But when the locals respond more favorably to Cassandra's ideas, Rapunzel becomes competitive.
2: You think?
1: (laughs) In this episode, Rapunzel wears her original dress Mm -hmm. from the first season. And all probably because of the Goodwill Festival. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that's actually a choice on her part in this one. But also... Throughout both this episode and the previous one, mm-hmm. a Varderos woman who keeps embarrassing Rapunzel by calling her a Claude yeah. is voiced by Eden Espinoza, a.k.a. Cassandra. Cass. It's Cass. <laughs> it's Cass. I love that little bit of trivia out there. It's like, you're finally getting out everything you didn't like about this. Being stuck being this little bright ray of sunshine's handmaiden, aren't you? Even <laughs> though you're not the character in the in this moment. Oh my! So what gosh. that synopsis didn't get us into is the fact that they are setting up these goodwill games. Yes, that aren't going over very well. Yeah, and they have Rapunzel. sent out or. or Eugene has sent out two of his best gopher catchers, as he calls them.
2: Oh, my gosh. To go
1: out and catch him a gopher for the, for, the, for the gopher catching event. <laughs> which are Lance Strong, and uh, Hookfoot. Then apparently neither
2: know seen a gopher. A gopher. Looks like.
1: <laughs> and admittedly, they have a gopher. of the group, yes. these two were not in the Goodwill Games episode from the first season. They weren't. So they don't know what a gopher looks like. And the thing is, they find a gopher about halfway through this thing. Yeah. And they look at it compared to the drawing goes, ah, this can't be it. It's too cute. (laughs) It's also not the size of the trees. Yeah. It's called perspective, guys. (laughs) Well, I would say that he did. If he's going to use something for perspective, it should be something that's right next to it and not in the background. True. Which is why from this point forward, they suggest having uh, Rapunzel draw things from now on. And Amen to him. that. Amen to that. But what they find, instead of a gopher,
2: Oh my gosh. that
1: they bring back for the gopher grab,
2: <laughs> is a sneeze, sneeze weasel. weasel.
1: Now what is a sneeze <laughs> weasel, weasel, you may be asking, because that's obviously a fictional animal right. for this show. Sneeze weasel, according to Shorty, of all people, yeah. is an omnivore that naturally eats gopher's chipmunks and voles he failed to mention that they were you know huge death machines you, huge death machines but also he says that the reason he knows all this information because <laughs> he's because he was wrong. one and you like it's like yeah sure shorty
2: yeah i'll take that well he is shorty he is he's shorty a little, he's, he's a little short and everything else <laughs> yeah
1: and uh, throughout the episode, we do get to see multiple. Uh, you know, we get to see both of uh, both Rapunzel and Cassandra's events. Uh, Rapunzel's are more of the more normal, fair. Yeah, type. very traditional. Yeah, very traditional. Nothing crazy. Cassandra's are things such as throw shorty onto the honey wall, <laughs> and whoever gets him to stick longer wins. gets the point. Yeah. Okay. Or the shouting contest. And that one guy is the one to beat, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a couple more things that are much more up vardaros's alley. Yeah. she's much more successful about picking events. Of course, she's picking events that would have gone down very well at the Ugly Duckling. hmm <laughs> And not stuff that would have gone down in Corona proper. Right. So that's why it's working here, because this is definitely the uh, Ugly Duckling town. Yeah but things go over pretty crazy until or pretty well until it's time for the go for grab event
2: and then of course and, thanks Eugene <laughs>
1: and Eugene has an idea cuz he's been noticing that that uh cast and Rapunzel have been having some issues and he remembered how Rapunzel got him and Cass to work together <laughs> during a season 1 episode <laughs> and he does exactly what she did, and imprisons them together. Of course, instead, this time, instead of imprisoning them in a single cell, he puts a chain around both of them. Around their both their legs. and So they work in so tandem. They have to work together. And they don't realize the real issue with this until the sneeze weasel escapes. Yeah. And starts tearing up the town. And they have to... And they're both they both go about things the way they normally would. Mm-hmm. Rapunzel's going to go try to help Quaid. Cass is going to go try to take down Sneeze Weasel. weasel and-, and they both run off in different directions and fall flat on their faces. faces. And so they re- realize they actually have to work together. And the way they stop the Sneeze Weasel is by launching him into the honey wall. <laughs> okay. I'd say they win. Yeah. And if I were Varderos, I wouldn't let this crowd act into Varderos anytime <laughs> soon.
2: So true. So true. The, the one of the one of the big draws for me of this episode is definitely the the conflict between Cassandra and Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. Is be I mean, like obviously from episode one of season two, you start realizing there is a friction forming. Between these two. I
1: feel say like, this friction has been forming really since uh Challenge of the Brave. I think it's yeah, the first I would time we really
2: see this. I would agree with you on that. And uh it's just be like it's it's being more drawn out. Mm-hmm. And there again, this is a very big plot point throughout the, throughout this series. So this series, so just keep in mind with that. So it's be like considering them considering the
1: ways I've accidentally been spoiled, yes, I'd say so.
2: Yes. Um we will get there when we get there. And it's gonna Indeed. be a fun ride. <laughs> um I'm
1: just saying when it turned into attack on Titan for no apparently good reason. <laughs> Actually, I don't think it turns into attack on it Titan. It doesn't, but
2: <laughs> it doesn't. That would get weird really fast. Um But the It's just like the, the point where these two characters it's more like Rapunzel's trying to be very, be like, oh, we need to do everything what we did in Corona because everyone's going to be happy because he's that kind of character. we got to make everybody happy. And Cassandra is looking at it. It's like, you know what? These people are not like Coronans. They're not like us. Yeah. But you have to kind of appeal to what they want. And it's just these two different ideologies going at each other. And it literally turns like it turns into a competition where they're extremely bitter at each other mm-hmm. and they can't work together. And I just I, I love how they they work that friction into these character these these moments and definitely when Eugene shackles them together where they have to work together and to get through their issue and um, yeah I, just, I, I there again story like story building story plots planting seeds planting seeds to lead into what they're uh, developing in the story growing forward going forward is just genius when it comes to the story when it comes to the overarching story of this ep- season and even the entire series it is very well done and i really enjoy that when they when they do these little things because you don't see that a lot in like most uh animated series yeah they don't take that time especially and,
1: a disney princess show yeah
2: exactly uh so yeah just like kudos for that this is really well done and having seen all the season Oh my gosh. It's just played out so well. And uh yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love this episode. There, there's little bits here and there where it's just kind of it's a little too hammy between the two. It's like, okay, I understand you're you're fighting like sisters, but some of it's just like it's a little hammy. But overall, I thoroughly enjoy the episode.
1: All right. Well, that yeah. brings us to the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. So uh join us next time for Uh, Yu Gi Oh! Dark Side Dimensions, Mm -hmm. and we'll also be reviewing uh, what is the name of that
2: episode? The Force of No Return,
1: Force of No Return, and Mm Freebird next week. So, join us then. In the meantime, this has been Drew, this is Jacob, and we'll catch you in the next frame.
0: You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron his facebook page jacobs daily art corner where he tries to draw each and every day his instagram at jacob b heron his twitter at jacob heron and his letterbox to jacob heron you can find drew on facebook at drew Dodgen. his facebook page drew's photo bin to see his photography his letterbox page at g george seven five nine his twitter at g george seven five nine and instagram at drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. The Cell cast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box media networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell, with a single L.
1: Summarize, that's not how this works.
0: That's not how any of this works. (laughs)